This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss, and I'm joined once again today by Buzzy Cohen. Welcome, Buzzy. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you're feeling like I am, but I really, I indulged in all the parts of the meal, and um, I, I think I need a turkey trot. Yeah. Did you <laughs> cook any parts of the meal? or? I kind of have my signature things that okay. I do. I'm a stuffing and gravy. Okay. Those are my areas of That's expertise. Your, yeah. uh, how about you? I do the turkey. Wow. Yeah. That's big. Um, and I had a little help because we were uh, visiting our family, so there's some brining that has to happen I was just going to ask, are you a briner or not? We're big time briners in the Foss family. <laughs> yeah. I use the Alton Brown brine recipe and then i do an oilless turkey fryer which is just very futuristic wow oilless yeah. turkey fryer huh. we'll talk about it on the inside buzzy's kitchen podcast here i am just with a regular old oven but yeah boring such a great holiday thanksgiving <laughs> i just love it you know you don't get caught up with the presents or anything it's really yeah. just being together and with eating. family and eating a lot and getting to watch some great Jeopardy. Yeah, speak, yeah. <laughs> I mean, talk about a healthy helping of amazing, amazing shows. Let's talk about it. Well, we started off the week. I can't believe it's been a week now yeah. since we crowned our Tournament of Champions winner, Amy Schneider. The response to her win, the support for her and her run and what she's doing in the world, it's just incredible and such a great TOC. It could have gone to seven, but it ends up going to six. It just, I cannot believe. Not only the TOC, the second chance we had leading yeah. into that. Season 39, not disappointing so far. Not disappointing. And then, you know, even after that, we go back to regular old oh, Jeopardy yeah. where we have an incredible <laughs> champion. Let's get into it. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Thank you.
we could not discuss this last and final game of the finals without him. Joining us now, the enabler, senior researcher and gameplay analyst Michael Harris. Welcome back, Michael. Here we are, game six of the TOC finals. Thank you, Sarah. Glad to be back. Hi, Buzzy. This game we like to call Similar Story, but Different Ending. The Jeopardy round showed a competitive battle between Amy and Andrew, with Amy outpacing him and ending the round with the lead. In the double Jeopardy round, Sam found both daily doubles, responded correctly to take a lead over Amy. But Amy and Andrew did not let up, and at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Amy held the lead with Andrew close behind. It came again down to final. Sam bet everything, but unfortunately was incorrect. Andrew got final correct, but wagered very little, and it all came down to Amy. She got final correct with a $13,000 wager, took the win, and became our TOC winner. Great game, great battles, fantastic tournament. Congratulations, Amy. I mean, an incredible person, an incredible Jeopardy player, an incredible champion, well-deserved. And I think we all talked about this was a situation where strategically she could have said, okay, it's more important for Andrew not to win than for me to win. But she had just done that. And I think it was eating at her, you know, because eventually you got to take a shot. Yes, she could have won it in five. And now she was like, forget it. I'm going to win it in six. And she has a very good final Jeopardy percentage in all of her games. She has a 66% get rate on final, which is that's huge. really good, really good, uh, especially given the number of games she's played. And considering the pressure that was on her as a 40-game champion, obviously I think she had the biggest target on her back coming into this TOC. To think that she ends up winning it, wow. Yeah, it was great. I mean, having that buy, that puts an additional pressure. And like you said, sure. Sarah, everyone was like, She's the one we're going for. Andrew was going for. Sam was going for both of them. And Buzzy, like you said, it comes a point where you're like, I got to put all of my yeah. chips on the table. Totally. Go big or go home. And um, it paid off this time. Yeah. Ken even noted that she decided to wager more than she had in the previous final. Without fail, after she was announced as the TOC winner, Sam Cavanaugh took the stage, <laughs> presented her with the belt that he had, you know, waiting in the wings for her. So it was just such a great moment, yeah. such an incredible tournament. I had the chance to catch up with Amy just moments after she was announced as our champion. Let's take a listen. Amy Schneider, our Tournament of Champions winner. How are you feeling right now? I feel amazing. You know, earlier in the finals, like as the as the show was opening, I just had this sudden moment of seeing myself and being like, I am on stage in the, the Tournament of Champions finals. And that was crazy. And I won. Like, it's just <laughs> like, it's it's a great feeling. It's hard to imagine that it was only one year ago in November that America was first introduced to Amy Schneider. What a year it has been. I would say so. It has definitely been the most eventful year I've ever had. And what next? Uh, you know, go home, celebrate, stop thinking about trivia for a little bit. And then, yeah, I get back to, you know, writing a book and doing whatever I feel like doing for a while. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that from the minute you left the Alex Trebek stage the last time, you knew you were coming back. You knew you had a tournament on the line, so you did have to kind of keep up that study mode. You think you'll be able to relax a little? Who knows what's in store? <laughs> a, a little bit. I won't, I won't let it go too long. But yeah, no, it was all, all year, everyone I met kept telling me, oh, you're going to win it, you're going to crush it. And I was like, this is not helpful to me, <laughs> like to put that pressure on me. But uh, I guess, 
because they knew what they were talking about. One year later, when you were first here, we had no audience. Not only did we have an audience for this tournament, but your wife Genevieve was in the audience. What was it like to know she was getting to watch you live this time? It was really great. You know, I had my sort of doubts about it. I was like, well, do I want any different factors from my first run? Um, but ultimately decided to have her here. And it was a thousand percent the correct decision. Like knowing she was out there was, was not a distraction at all. It felt really good. You made such a positive impression in your first appearance and now you get to go into the trans community as a Tournament of Champions winner. I can't imagine what else you can do positive for your community, for the world, for recognition. Yeah, you know, just uh, just keep going out there and, and being me and, and <laughs> yeah, being in places that, that people in my community haven't been before. Is, it's just really, it's, it's a very powerful thing to do. If you had to pick one highlight or one favorite moment of this journey, this Jeopardy journey, what would you choose? You know, I mean, I think the, the obvious ones both uh, were very disappointing for Andrew. He at the beginning and the <laughs> end. It, it actually really kind of was after I lost that, that game 41, like sort of later during that, because that was when I could sort of like stop for a second and really feel what I had done. That was when it started to actually feel real once I had lost. Until then, it was just like, I just got to come back and keep doing it again. And, and I was able to really, yeah, know what a great thing it had happened. Well, once again, you took out Andrew He, but I think America saw what strong competitors both you and he really are. Yeah, no, I was both wanting to and afraid of facing him again. He was definitely somebody that I knew was one of the top competitors in, in the field. He was somebody that I knew could beat me. Any of the three of us really could have won if a very small number of things had gone differently. But I, I'm glad we each have gotten like a real fair chance to really test our skills against each other. And I'd, I'd love to play him again someday somehow, yeah. I love to see it. Congratulations on an incredible initial run, an incredible tournament, and enjoy this moment as our Tournament of Champions winner, Amy Schneider. <laughs> Thank you. What a great interview. And it's worth noting, very rarely does the top seed win yes. the Tournament of Champions. We have Amy, we have James, but, you know, Sam was not the top seed. I was not the top seed. Uh, Alex Jacob was not the top seed. Ben Ingram was not the top seed. Historically, top seeds do not necessarily win this, although, as Ken noted on Twitter, this is not a statistically significant fact, as Amy has proven. But, man, only know her a little bit, and every time I'm just so impressed with her. And I'd say for Ken Jennings, it was his first Tournament of Champions. Yes, obviously. I can no longer give him a hard you time about hard never time appearing about that, in a Because now he has, obviously, as a host instead of a contestant, but I think also did a great job of Incredible just job, managing yeah. some difficult material, a lot of great contestants. And I think all of us who tuned in, no one can say they were disappointed by what our contestants all served up in this tournament. And congratulations again to Amy Schneider. So now she bypasses Madame Odio. She's now the fourth in all-time winnings on the leaderboard of legends wow. with $1,632,800 just behind Brad Rudder, Ken Jennings, and James Holtzauer. What lies ahead for our champions? You know Michael Davies has something in mind. We've heard him talk about a Masters League We'll have to wait and find out. But for now, that brings us to the end of our Tournament of Champions coverage. Michael Harris, thank you for joining us through it all. I had such a great time going through these games with you. And thank with you Buzzy. very much, Sarah. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks, We'll Michael. do it again next year. What do you yeah. say? Oh, for sure. Let's. Yeah. All right. As Ken mentioned at the top of Tuesday's show, it's been an exciting few weeks here on Jeopardy. And before we move on to regular Jeopardy, 
I just want to reflect on the second chance competition, some of our biggest moments, TOC. Let's just let's just revel in these weeks we've had on the show. Let's do it. I mean, Jessica Stevens and Rowan Ward winning the first ever second chance competition and getting into the TOC. I mean, it really showed what great players sometimes just don't make it. And how good the competition was leading into that. I mean, we had so many other players that could have easily made their way into this TOC as well. We have fond and fond about the TOC. I want to talk about the great exhibition. Oh, another highlight of the past few weeks. I mean, any chance to see our players get to play the game without the same stakes. Yeah. And what that allowed them to do and just bring this levity to the game that we hadn't been able to see from the three of them. But I think also just seeing three great players so often as we saw in the TOC, sometimes the name brand player who's in that TOC doesn't make it to the finals. It made me excited for the possibility of Jeopardy Masters because I really want to see more games where we've got the people that really, really have spent a lot of time on the stage, know how to be successful, just slug it out. Yes, and those three players, Matea ends up winning that game, and they don't even make it to the finals. Yeah. So it just speaks so much to anything can happen on any given day with these great champions. And when we taped that great exhibition, we didn't know if they would meet in the finals. They hadn't totally. played their semis yet. So for all we knew, this was just a preview of what was to come, how thankful we are that we did do the great exhibition, because <laughs> yeah. as it turned out, we didn't see them in the finals And it just did not disappoint. Yeah. Hard to move on from that. But I do also want to talk about our dark horse. Yes, we can officially call him that. He is officially the dark horse. He found nine daily doubles during the finals and went all in on all nine of them. You know, when we first interviewed him leading up to the TOC, he told us, you know, he said, I'm not afraid of a big daily double. When you find those... It's like the best thing that could happen to you. And he said, I'm going to put it all out there. Man, did he. (laughs) Yeah, wow. And it just makes for such exciting games because, you know, whether it's a runaway game or not, those big daily doubles, you know, the, the, the game feels like all of a sudden all the airs come out of the room and you feel that watching at home. And I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fan favorite, Sam Buttry, who really won everyone's hearts over with just his attitude. Yes, his enjoyment playing the game, his ability to bring that lighthearted humor, even in these most intense games, to say, oh, please have that, Ken, or <laughs> let me, you know, he ends up flossing for us on one of the shows. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, just his and his knowledge, his sort of cavalier knowledge of extreme youth culture, you know, with with. Yeah, you know, whether it was flossing or, or yeah. Doja Cat or whatever. It, w- it wasn't the facts that he knew. It was just the way that he was just he, – he was enjoying every single moment. He had two very tough competitors in the finals, and that did not diminish his enjoyment at all. Not one bit. Nope. It was so much fun to watch him play. And that's really like what more could you ask for? And then we got to have the Amy Schneider-Andrew He rematch that everyone wanted to happen. So it's exactly, uh, you know, a year after their first meeting, November 17th, 2021. Once again, they're on the stage facing each other, November 17th. 2022. I mean, if you wrote a movie of this, people would be like, oh, it's so cheesy. No, that would never happen. Well, we have to finally move on from the TOC. But (sighs) as Michael Davies has promised, we're going to do this every year. So, you know, we used to have to wait until we had the right amount of people. It would be about every year and a half. But no more. Every fall, our postseason will take place. 
I said it last week, we're going to have second chance again. We're going to have our TOC every fall. So you only have to wait less than a year. And we know we're going to be seeing one person in that TOC, and that is someone from our Tuesday's game, Chris Panulo. He's back. He's an 11-day champion. And as we left him right before this, he had had one of his best appearances to date. He had 36 correct responses in that Friday game before we headed into our postseason. Zero incorrect. It was his ninth runaway and his third runaway in a row. And now he has to take a break. What would that be like for you, having been a contestant, to be in your prime, to be in your zen zone flow, and then you've got to take a huge break? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because sometimes there's an air break, but there isn't always a tape break. That was the case when I was first on. I taped five shows. Then there was three weeks of other tournaments, teachers' tournaments, power players. But in reality, I taped my next five shows the next day. Chris actually had the break that we had because we didn't know how long the TOC was going to go and all of that. I think it could be very hard or it gives Chris a chance to reset. It, It really depends on the kind of person and player you are if you can take advantage of that chance to rest it is a very draining experience um competing game after game and also maybe learn a little bit you know he's got a little bit of time to reflect on maybe some things he wants to do differently or you know how he can better use that time beforehand i think we saw with these games it did not affect his gameplay it did at not. all it did not he got his 12th <laughs> runaway fourth in a row and he really just dominated this game One moment I have to point out that I love is pineapple on pizza. You know, Ken says, (laughs) I want to resolve the controversy. It's delicious. I want to know your thoughts, Buzzy. Pineapple on pizza. Well, I'm not one to yuck anybody's yum, but I'm not ordering pineapple on a pizza. How's that? That's good. I'm one of those people, like, if you have a pizza buffet, I'll have a little bite of a pineapple on pizza, but I'm not going in for, like, a large pepperoni and pineapple. Yeah, my family likes the pineapple on pizza. I mean, I, I can see how those flavors work. Just not my thing. I'm, you know, like Chris, I'm from New Jersey. We take pizza seriously. You know, I just remember the the line in uh, Inside Out when, when they're in San Francisco and they have the vegan broccoli pizza. Oh, yes. They ruined pizza. First the Hawaiians and now yes, this. Broccoli, <laughs> yes. With the anger, the yes. anger emotion. Yes. Uh, one of my a, uh, Halloween costumes. I you were were you anger? No, I was sadness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But my daughter was disgusted, and she feels that yeah. way about broccoli or pineapple on pizza. So that's in character. One thing that's interesting about Chris's run is that he came back as a champion, having watched his games on the air the first few weeks. Like that, that is interesting. Rarely happens. One reason that happened is because he taped so early in the season. So right. earlier in the season. We don't get as far ahead. And then, of course, we had to take the break to tape Second Chance and TOC. So he's home watching his games. He's on the streets as a, you know, 11-day champion, and people are recognizing him. Like, he's having all of these experiences out in the world that you don't normally get to have while your run is going. So I was really curious to see how that would Mm -hmm. affect him. Obviously, it didn't. But even things like he would often bet $221 in honor of his girlfriend's birthday of February 21st. She saw the games and she wasn't even aware of why he was betting 221 (laughs) until he's talking about it on the show. So it's just really interesting, the timing of of this run. Well, I think what we could say about Chris in general is 
he is unaffected. I mean, his style of play is just, he is just playing his game. He doesn't get flustered. You can play that kind of gambler style more like James Holzhauer, where there are these huge bets. There's a lot of, you know, I think James is a low-key guy, but he's also a wrestling fan. And he's there's some theatrics in kind of constantly going all in and doing those bets. Chris is just kind of like very contently moving along. So I am not surprised that spending four weeks or more walking around as a celebrity did not result in any change in his demeanor. In this game, we had the Soccer's World Cup in the 21st century. Obviously, we're right in the middle of the World Cup. And if you're wondering where Michael Davies is, well, he's actually on a Men in Blazers live This Cups for You tour. You can catch him around the country. You can't catch him on Inside Jeopardy right now, but he is big in the world of soccer right now. Uh, I did enjoy as well uh, Ken's Bane impersonation in the Batman villains. Yeah, Credit where credit's due. Um, Tough final, but not consequential for Chris because he had that runaway, and he becomes a 12-game champion. Wow. All right. Let's move on to Wednesday's game where Chris is going for his 13th win against Katie Rudolphy and John Dorsey. I mean, I got to say, there's not a lot to talk about in these games because it's sort of like it's the Chris show. I'm sorry. You know, I would hate to be Katie. I would hate to be John. John really, I think, put up a good fight, made a big bet in Double Jeopardy, that $5,000 bet that would have put him in the lead. Couldn't come up with the correct response. And, you know, it's it's those situations where we could have a spoiler, but you can't have a mistake against a player like Chris Benoit. And he comes in and is the only one correct in Final Jeopardy in a category, Seconds in History, that we learned is the first Seconds in History final we've ever had <laughs> on Jeopardy. So we learned that. But overall... That's not going to be confusing to understand. Not at, at all. all. But looking at the stats right now, so after 13 games, he's found 30 of the 39 available daily doubles. He's responded correctly to 27 of the 30, only three incorrect, and he's earned over $90,000 just on daily doubles, 22% of his total winnings, and this puts him into the leaderboard of legends. He's now reached the status, the leaderboard of legends status, so he's now tied with Matt Jackson for 10th place in games one. And he's jumped all the way to ninth place, pushing Matt Jackson to 10th and bumping off our buddy Austin Rogers for highest winnings in the regular season. I just want to say finding 30 of 39 daily doubles seems like, oh, well, finding the daily doubles is kind of random. When you find that many daily doubles, that means you are in control of the game. That's what that's, you know, there are games where it's kind of bouncing back and forth. One person finds one, one, you know, but if you're finding 77% of the daily doubles, that means you are answering way more questions correct, way more consequential questions correct, because they're probably further down the board. You're moving through the category. That says a lot about, as we've said, that this is, you know, the very calm, collected Chris Panulo show where he's just rolling through these boards. Interesting, though, when he, once he's gone through the daily doubles, He's still bouncing around the yeah. board and getting those high dollar amounts, but he's bouncing around. And do you think that's to well, keep yeah. his competition off? There or what is, do you think that strategy is? So there's two elements to the forest bounce. I mean, some people look at it as the daily double hunting, but if that's the case, you don't just simply bounce around. You would go to the hot spots, right? So the other aspect of the forest bounce is that people get into a rhythm with the categories, right? It's like, oh, we've ruled out this, we've ruled out this. You know, when when you're dealing with something like 
presidents or world leaders or rivers or whatever. Oh, we already dealt with that. But when you're bouncing around, it's harder to kind of stay in that file of your brain. And so it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of preparation, I think, to be able to play like that. A lot of players have come, tried to do the bounce, can't execute on it because it's a much harder way to play. And you don't get that experience always watching the show if you're not watching someone who's playing that way. I like that you brought up the forest bounce, the Chuck Forest bounce, because for years, Arthur Chu came along. People yeah. thought he was revolutionizing the game, and we're like, no, 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 that's the forest bounce. And Chuck Forrest actually said that someone else did it before him, but he, you know, he got the name. He got the name. All right, we <laughs> head into Thursday. Chris going up against Megan Burr and Tarun Narasimhan. The Thanksgiving game, and as Ken playfully pointed out, probably written by Sarah, that Chris Panulo is enjoying a plentiful harvest of earnings and wins. I love it. I love a chance to put in some (laughs) Thanksgiving uh, adjectives. What a score Chris had at the end of the Jeopardy round. $16,200. That's, I think I had a runaway game once with less (laughs) money than that. That is a very difficult amount of money to put on the board (laughs) in that Jeopardy round. Well, and we mentioned earlier in this podcast that Amy and Andrew had their matchup one year ago, but also on Thanksgiving one year ago, Amy was just getting started on her big run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. so it's a super champion time of year. Yeah, it's the harvest. We're bringing it all, all the <laughs> See, Jeopardy champs, bringing it plentiful harvest in. of champions. Not only did he finish with the highest score at the end of a Jeopardy round this season, but also the highest score at the end of a double Jeopardy round with 46,600. Now, when Chris puts up these big scores, it's interesting because he's not doing the James thing of these all-in daily doubles. He makes big daily double wagers, but they're, compared to his score, fairly conservative. Yeah, only um, 5,000 and 9,000. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, when you finish the, the Jeopardy round with 16,200, $5,000 wagers, nothing. But what is happening now is that he's going into these final Jeopardies with such a lead, he can make a huge wager that doesn't put his win in jeopardy but he's very good at final jeopardy and so he adds in this game another twenty five thousand to 21 and ends up with the highest final score of the season 71,821 so he's the highest jeopardy round the highest double jeopardy round and the highest overall game that was 19,000 earned on three daily doubles 35 correct responses unbelievable and we haven't seen a total even in that range since last season. Matamodio's highest right. performance at 83,000. So it really speaks to what level of competition Chris is at. And now he is all alone at number 10 on the leaderboard of legends for consecutive games. One, he does bump Matt Jackson off that list. And he's moving up in highest winnings. He's now seventh all time, jumping ahead of both David Madden, who won 19 games. So keep that in mind. He's now already ahead with 14 games of a 19-game champion. But to be fair... I got to chime in here because when Dave Madden was playing... We we didn't have the huge daily double play. You know, some people say James introduced. James certainly popularized the huge daily double. And I think in general, there is a move that people have realized of betting more on daily double. So we've seen the scores uh, rising since Dave Madden's time. And keep in mind, David Madden played back in 2005, and he's still on this board. All the champions ahead of him are from the last few seasons. So I really think Other it than speaks... Ken. 
other than Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it speaks to yeah. just how aggressive and good his gameplay was in his time, even though it doesn't match up against the totals of the players we're seeing now. Yeah, and when Ken asked uh, what Chris's secret to success was after this game, he responded, who knows? I'm going to posit something. He's from New Jersey. We're winners. There you go. Let's take it that way. And his competitor, <laughs> Megan, she said, I'm just happy to be here. And something does happen to the challengers when we get into these big runs. Oh, People, yeah. they're just excited to have played against a super champion. Totally. They're like, I get to say, I was Panulo'd. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will... I promise you, no matter what happens in my life, I will never say I was Panulo'd. However, <laughs> never. However, well, because you weren't, because you didn't get beat but by even Chris Panulo. Even if I played Chris Panulo, I don't think I would want to say I was Panulo'd. But that's just me. But again, it's a. There mi- are shirts. Lily did shirts. I know she did Schneider'd, shirts. Amodio'd. But I, what I what I okay. want to say is, <laughs> it's also a mindset thing where you feel when you, especially when you see someone having these runaway games, these big totals, you feel like it's a foregone conclusion. And really, what it takes is someone who comes into the game and says I, I, none of that matters every game is its own game I can beat this person and, and there are no undefeated champions at this there point. are no undefeated champions on planet earth of jeopardy eventually everyone loses you make they make you play until you're a loser I like yeah. to say and you know look I mean going back to James we're comparing him so much to James also a gambler Emma Betcher when she came out she had done her homework she knew how to play the game and she was just like I came here to win I didn't come here to be Holtz Howard you know no um, and it's going to take someone who who has that mindset. Not that these people are not very smart. Not that on a different day they couldn't win. Our second chance competition has proved that to be true. However, to to take it, sometimes you need that little eye of the tiger. I hear you. All right, we head into Friday's game. Chris's last matchup of the week against Sam Papua and Holly Smith. Another runaway for our pal Chris. Thirteen out of fifteen. I, I want to ask those Chris stats. What's he running from? What are you running from, Chris? Let's do like ah. a little, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, Frazier here. Let's do a little like on-air therapy session. What are you running from? Uh, he's certainly running away from the competition because he is crushing it. Yeah, he starts the Jeopardy round with a daily double, which, you know, he Rude. probably doesn't want to find it right off the bat because <laughs> he can only wage up to 1,000. But then he goes on to get 16 more correct responses in a row and maintain the lead. Double Jeopardy, he has another 17 correct responses and a 3,000 daily double to earn another runaway another runaway victory and he ran the our flag means category i know and there aren't many chances for chris to run a category because he's jumping around so much that's right we don't actually have those opportunities to call him out for running a category but this one he does he got tired you know he's just like you know i'm gonna change it up you know he's, <laughs> i'm gonna play left-handed today there you go <laughs> 34 correct responses in the game he breaks the half million dollar bravo mark. wow Half a million dollars on your new day job playing Jeopardy. Unbelievable. Still in 10th place for consecutive wins, but just one win away now from tying Ryan Long from last season. And he's still in 7th place with total winnings, but he's creeping up to a champion you may remember from a few seasons ago, Jason Zuffranieri. So Who appeared in a an amazingly hosted tournament of champions. I forget who did that. Oh, gosh. Who did that? Buddy Cohen. <laughs> Um, Chris, in his post-game chat, he said he's still not relaxed, which I think is very honest and very true. Um, you know, Amy Schneider is probably the only person who I've heard say that she just gets up there and does her thing. Everyone else you talk to, even Ken, it's like every time you get up there, you're on the edge of your seat. So um, every game just as stressful as the last for Chris, but he is not breaking a sweat in spite of that. 
Well, I did have a chance to catch up with him after this 15th win, after a, you know, a pretty good week at the office, if you will, at the Jeopardy <laughs> office. Uh, let's see here what he had to say. Chris Panulo, 15-game champion. How does that sound? Uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, the first win was basically the goal. I just wanted to come out, acquit myself well, play well, and then win a game, hopefully. And then 14 more wins is just truly something I had not comprehended so I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. Well, we started out this week, you know, with our Tournament of Champions, not knowing that we would be ending the week with you continuing your run. You had a nice break five weeks off. Uh, how was that to, to play so well for so many days and then take a break? It was, it was a little strange just because I had to go back to work and not tell anybody <laughs> and do all of my work while half of my mind was still on Jeopardy and just trying to keep those two separate and do a good job at work and like keep like studying for Jeopardy and, and knowing that I had to come back was, was a very strange life to live for, for those few weeks. Let's talk about the leaderboard of legends. You know, we started this week, you weren't on it. Now you're on it in two different categories. First of all, 10th for most consecutive wins ever. I mean, I guess 10th is really good. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what the, what, I mean, even two wins would get me, but I would have been thrilled with two. I would have been thrilled with one. And just like winning this many games, is, it's truly unbelievable. And then we have to talk about the money. Obviously, you've earned over a half a million dollars, which puts you seventh on the leaderboard of legends. That means only six other players in regular season have earned more money than you. Yeah, and the people above me on that list and, and on the other list are just incredible, incredible players. So to be like, even to read that list is, is impressive. And to be on that list is is just, you know, a dream come true. All right, I have to ask, one, before a game, I often see, even during a game, you're kind of bouncing around, kind of kind of getting in the zone. What's that about? Just trying to stay loose, because during the game, I'm so tight, just like really like trying to get on, on the answer first. And I don't want to be so tight that it's affecting my, you know, either my body or my mind. So just like trying to stay as loose as possible, given the pressure-packed circumstances. And then I have to ask about the thumbs up. You know, we start every game, you give us a good thumbs up. What's behind that? That's just something I do naturally. Like, it's just, you know, my reaction if someone says something, instead of saying, okay, I'll give a thumbs up. I do it at work all the time on Zoom. I do it at home. I do it with family and just felt natural to do it. And um, sort of, you know, yeah, it's, it's a habit of mine in real life and it's carried over here, I guess. Well, I am giving you two thumbs up for an incredible week, an incredible run. Enjoy your weekend and we'll see you back here on Monday. Thank you so much. All right, and that wraps up another exciting week of games, a TOC final, and four regular shows with a super <laughs> champion. Chris Panulo, four more runaway games. So, wow. Let's move on to our viewer questions. We have a question from Reddit this time. For those in the know, how were the TOC finals podium positions determined? I was surprised they didn't change to move the winning player from the previous game to the left podium so they would start with control of the board. Was it the same in the GOAT tournament? Well, thank you for that question. And I'm the person in the know today, so I'm happy to share what I know. And that is, for the TOC, the podium position was determined by total games won. So Amy in position one, you know, having secured 40-plus, even not even <laughs> playing in a quarterfinal. Obviously, Andrew He, a five-game champion coming in also had to win his quarterfinal and his semi. And then we have Sam Buttry, who as a professor's champion 
One could argue he won ostensibly three games, but you have the two-day total point of fare. So maybe four. Maybe four. Obviously, he wins his semi and his quarterfinal, so he ends up in the position three. But we don't want anyone to have an unfair advantage in terms of selecting that first clue in the Jeopardy round and perhaps getting the daily double or, you know, whatever whatever your choice may be. So for that, we do a random draw before each game. Sometimes we have ping pong balls, different different types of objects, uh, cards, coins, but basically there's a one, two, and three. Whoever selects one, they get to select first in the game. We don't move their podium positions because we try to keep it consistent in the finals, especially in this style and the GOAT style, so that as you're tuning in each night, you're familiar. These are the same three people. They're in the same positions. And then below them, we put those check marks to identify how many games they have won up until that point. So just like in GOAT, we didn't move their positions throughout the games, and um, it was randomly selected who would pick first within each game. Yeah, and in All-Stars, we also random, there was some randomness. I remember a coffee can with uh, ping pong balls. Yeah, ping pong balls. Yeah, we like to change up our props, but the process is the same. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris asks, in some games, time runs out and all of the clues are not uncovered. Has it ever happened that a daily double is not uncovered or do they keep going until they are found and edit for time savings elsewhere? So great question, Chris. Basically, we always are trying to get through all the clues. Obviously, that is the goal. And we always want to get through every daily double as well. Now, what happens near the end of the game after we've called less than a minute? We can not play a daily double as long as it's not the last clue in the round, because obviously whoever responded correctly to the clue right before the last clue would get that daily double. So if for any reason we didn't reveal it, it would be a disadvantage to them. But we can call times up before multiple clues are revealed and one of those may be the daily double but we do try to avoid that at all cost because we know how important those are to the game we avoid not playing all clues as much as possible as well because we know how important every clue is not only to our contestants on the Alex Trebek stage but to you at home who are playing along and you want to see every one of those clues so it's always the goal doesn't always happen but certainly hope that answers your question All right. Thank you for these questions. Listeners, please keep sending them in to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. And that is it for today's episode of Inside Jeopardy. Join us here next Monday as we discuss another week of gameplay and this amazing returning champion, New Jersey's own Chris Panulo. Yes. Let's see if he can continue his streak. Will he make it through the week? We will be discussing his impressive run. It's already a pretty impressive one. So as always, make sure you subscribe, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, maybe, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, and on YouTube. And we'll see you all next week.